This is David Rhymes, and you're listening to Foot Notable, a podcast where we discover the truth is in the details. Everyone, like it or not, here we are once again coming to you with another episode of Foot Notable. Thanks so much for tuning in to listen as we continue our series on Generation Z. Welcome back. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, We got folks watching us on Facebook right now. We got folks tuning in now on our podcast channel. Thank you for listening. Um, Dave, giving them the instructions of what they're supposed to do right now. Well, what we'd like for you to do as an expression of your love and devoted fandom and support, yeah. to, to Foot Notable. If you love us, then you'll... Then you will, <laughs> you will follow our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Foot Notable podcast. Mm-hmm. You'll follow us on Instagram at Foot Notable. You'll even go to our YouTube channel where we post our videos after each episode and just search Foot Notable, you'll find us. Mm. And then you'll subscribe to that, and you will ding, ding, ding that little notification bell so that you can stay up with all the videos that we do post onto our channel. And if you've got, like, iTunes or a podcasting app that allows you to make ratings and review, we are partial to five stars. We are. We prefer five stars over anything else. Yeah, for sure. Five stars, kind words. Yes. That's right in our wheelhouse. We're open to suggestions, open even to criticism if it's done constructively, but just give us five stars and a bunch of cool words and we'll love you for it. Absolutely. Thank you. And all seriously, that helps other listeners yeah. find the content that we do talk about here on Foot Notable. So let's kind of dive in a little bit to our topic because we've got a lot to cover and we're not going to cover any of it in, in any no, level of adequacy. No, we would need dozens today. of episodes. We yeah. would. There are other better podcasts who have covered specifically the things that we're talking about today. And uh, what we want to do is just be helpful to those of you who, who may not even know um, what Gen Z is, who, who sort of makes up that generation and why it even matters. Right. Some people would say it doesn't matter. Just, Go do what you got to do, but context matters. And if you know what you're doing, but you don't know who that you're doing it for or with, there may be some disconnected communication. So understanding the challenges and the opportunities that are facing us when we're addressing the next generation of people coming into adulthood is only going to help us help them become disciples of Jesus. That's really our goal here. And so a lot of this is just taking data and going, okay, how does that translate into our world? And so uh, we're going to talk a little bit about today, and hopefully it's 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 helpful to y'all um, going going forward. Dave, yeah, look, there's no fear in getting to know the next generation, right. uh, and we also want to make sure we're getting to know them factually mm-hmm. uh, and as often as we can in their own words, because, like you said, this is important. The better we know the upcoming generations, uh, the better we can connect to them where they are, the better we can serve them, the better we can reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm which as believers, that's really our ultimate goal is to, to bring them to a point where they can understand the gospel, respond to the gospel, and hopefully embrace Jesus mm-hmm. and join our family of faith. So by no means, as we talk about Gen Z, do we want to kind of paint a picture 
I like uh, we're some kind of disgruntled older folks, right? Gen Xers yeah. just saying, "Kids, get off my lawn!" Get off my lawn, kind of thing. What we really want to do is just help us to get on the same page, understand this generation, why they're important, and so that's kind of like a little uh, little asterisk here, a mm-hmm. little footnote yeah. on our episode today, is that we're going to share some things with you today that you may find a bit startling, mm-hmm. and so the temptation will be to just really think really horribly about Gen Z right? and think that there's nothing redeemable about this generation. So let's just say at the, the onset of our conversation, yes, we're going to share some startling statistics and realities, mm-hmm. but it, we're just doing this matter-of-factly. We're not trying to make some sort of like judgment on this generation right. as if they are just the worst that's ever come along. These are just some facts about them that we need to understand. Yeah. Again, so that we can better connect with them, know where they're coming from. Because if you don't know where someone's coming from, oftentimes your attempt to relate to them, it misses yeah. big time. Yeah. So hear what we're saying. Don't try to listen for what we're not saying. Right. That's like exactly hear, right. just hear what we're saying because as as um as startling as some of the data is, we're not hopeless regarding this generation. In fact, there's some tremendous opportunities facing us in the next 20 years, and we're looking forward to doing some of these things, but we have to know what we're getting into first. Yeah, yeah opportunities, obstacles to overcome. You know, we just need to embrace that for what it is, uh, challenges that God, through his spirit, will walk us through. Mm-hmm. And so they're not insurmountable. I mean, my goodness, people dealt with our generation. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right? And they were able to reach us. And, and look, the one before yeah. them and the one before them exactly and the one before right. them. It's always yeah. been. And so always been for been all the, the sky is falling nonsense that went on about millennials, Yeah, hey, they've come into the church. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in a lot of cases, they're leading our churches mm-hmm. and will be for the next, uh, you know, 15, 20 years. Yeah. The next 20 years, that's eventually all your pastors are going to be Millennial and Gen Z pastors. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so so it's important. And one of the things that we're going to have to realize is that Gen Z is the way they are because the world around them and us has changed rapidly. Rapidly. So when we go back and we think about when we were their age, so Orrin and I talking about our generation in particular, so you go back into the 90s, mid 90s, Mm -hmm. uh, going on into the early 2000s, you know, we both graduated. Uh, I graduated college in 99. When did you graduate? 2000. 2000. Yeah. So right right around, you know, that time when we were the teens and the college students, mm-hmm. like we didn't have the technology mm-hmm. that Gen Z takes for granted each and every day. Mm-hmm. Like we were being introduced to yeah, that it was brand new. in college mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. In fact, I was talking with uh, one of the ladies who works here at our church today about how when an email came out, Nobody took it seriously. Right. Like we all got like goofy and cutesy with our email addresses mm-hmm. because we didn't know this was going to be like a serious <laughs> means of communi- form of, yeah. com- communication. Primary form of communication. And so like after our two, three years, like people are ditching their cutesy names, yeah. trying to be a bit more professional mm-hmm. because you can't go and work for, you know, a company and, you know, your your email is like you know, snuggly kitten three one seven. Right, right. Like it just doesn't work <laughs> out really well. And so you know, technology really shapes culture. It's driving this conversation. It's really driving yeah, this absolutely. conversation. Yeah. And when we we just wanted to, to take a stroll down memory lane back to when technology was not driving the conversation That's like right. it does today. And we've got just got a wonderful example 
of how our generation thought about some of the things that are just the norm yeah. today, yeah. back when they were early in their infancy. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, we have delved deep into the archives of Seinfeld yeah. to find this reference mm-hmm. as the Lord intends us to do. You want to set it up for a second? So, so Elaine is making a phone call yeah. on a cell phone. On a cell, she has a cell phone, and so you hear the conversation on the clip and how Jerry and George deal with Elaine, what they call a faux pas in the way that she dealt. Hey, she made a phone yeah. call. Whereas today, if you notice, this is nothing like a faux pas. In fact, it's standard practice now. Exactly. So just listen to the conversation, and you'll, and you'll hear what we're saying. And just one one piece, just to put it in the context. This episode aired in 1998. 1998. That's correct. So if, yeah. you, if you're wondering when we're talking about, 1998 is when this aired oh i forgot to call jill jill hi it's elaine how is your father is everything okay what uh, i can't hear you so good there's a lot of static what i'm gonna call you back jill's father is in the hospital and you call to ask about him on a cell phone what no good faux pas faux pas big hefty stinking faux pas <laughs> You can't make a health inquiry on a cell phone. It's like saying, I don't want to take up any of my important time in my home, so I'll just get it out of the way on the street. And the street cell phone call is the lowest phone call you can make. It's an act of total disregard. It's selfish. It's dismissive. It's pompous. Why don't you think before you do something? Here's a thought. Bye-bye. Too much? All right, so (laughs) can you imagine that conversation happening today? Not at all. No. 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 Nobody would take you seriously. No one thinks twice about getting a phone call from someone on the sidewalk. It's normal. Anywhere. Right. I mean, look, people, let's just be honest, listeners. There's a good chance that you've made a phone call to someone while you were in the bathroom. (laughs) You've at least texted someone. We've all texted someone. You certainly have gotten one in the bathroom. From the potty. Yeah. Right, yeah, you've definitely gotten one. Some of you may have just, you know, decided to throw all dignity and social mores out the window. Just go for it, yep. And just, I got to make this phone call Well, look, let's be honest here. It's a possibility that half the people listening to this right now don't own a home phone anymore anyway. They only own a cell phone. Yep. And so the idea of of what, what's, what's this, 20... 22 years ago, 23 years ago, that, that it's a faux pas to call about a serious health inquiry of someone's father on a cell phone on the sidewalk. Whereas now, calling from your house would be kind of weird. You would call on your cell phone from anywhere. Anywhere. Because it shows that you care because you yeah. immediately called. You didn't wait to get home. It's almost as if the entire situation has been turned completely upside down upside from what down. Jerry and his friends dealt with at that time. And so what that tells us is that our understanding of what is um, is is good conduct, is a friendliness, is good communication has changed dramatically in 20 years from a cell phone faux pas to what we call a standard practice now. And this is the generation that has grown up with this understanding and use of technology, which yeah. is so vastly different from what we've experienced before. Yeah, technology is so saturated mm-hmm. and woven into the fabric of who they are. Mm-hmm. You can't separate the two. Yeah, You know, we try for a while mm-hmm. when these things are being introduced to sort of maintain our lives and routines separate from some of these technologies. That's why Jerry could talk about 
this cell phone walk and talk, yeah. you know, the on the street for a serious matter mm-hmm. being a faux pas. Why you do that in a place that shows that you are listening and you can pay attention to what's yeah. being said yeah. and you know, there's not going to be static, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because cell phone coverage was not what it is today. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have important phone calls on technology. I mean, so we did that, mm-hmm. you know, we, we would not necessarily uh, for a while there, you know, for some people, email was just casual. Mm-hmm. You work email. Yeah. You know, we don't we don't use silly things like no. email for yeah. work. Well, now we all do use email mm-hmm. for work. Mm-hmm. And so Gen Z, there is no distinction. No. Technology, where it is, where it's going, has been and will be inseparable yep. from their lives and their worldview. Yep. So we're going to go ahead and jump into this. And we're going to look, we're going to run through some things. This is very much an introductory conversation. Mm-hmm. And we've left off some stuff in this as we talk about their worldview. So if you don't hear something, again, hit us up on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, if you're part of our Facebook group, mm-hmm. Postscript, yeah. if you like a little behind the scenes, a little lanyap with your footnotable, mm-hmm. you need to join that. And we'll be happy to talk about more of these things with you yeah. uh, there. And if you miss something, you can go back and watch it on YouTube later. You can do it. Yep. So one of the first things we need to understand about Gen Z is uh, we could call them screenagers. 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 That's because a, that's a Barna. It's a Barna term. term. Yeah. Yeah. Because they are so, I don't want to say dedicated, but their lives revolve around the screen yes. more than any other generation yes. that's, that's come along. And so here's a quote from Barna. It says, Gen Z has come of age in a world saturated by digital technology and mediated by mobile devices. Yes. Mediated. Yep. That's the primary means. It's a means. really good yeah. way to phrase that, to understand, mm-hmm. because we're not talking about computer screens back when we sat in front of a desktop and you had a tube-controlled yeah. monitor right, right. that wasn't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Now we have high-powered computers with screen capabilities, video, all of that stuff in our pockets, and we walk around with it. And so these mobile devices, uh, even going up to things like tablets and smartware, watches, and who knows what else is going to be coming out, uh, these things are sort of the the managers Mm -hmm. of how we interact with with the information that's floating out there in digital in digital land. Yeah. Right. And look and look, the 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 old saying you have to leave work at work is impossible now because yeah. everything you do at work goes with you in your pocket. Right? I mean you it's still possible, but it takes more more effort you really to gotta leave make the it effort. off. Because everything yeah. is so connected. Your computer your computer at work, your computer at home, your phone, your tablet, they're all connected. Well, for those of us who are a little bit older we understand the the um, the way that's designed in some ways, and we have to think about the connectivity of those devices right. in our lives. Gen Z doesn't think about it in terms that we do. It's just what it is. Yep. You're supposed to be connected to your work computer and your home computer and your phone. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you ever do that? Yeah, We yeah. have a hard time buying into things that, that make us connected. Yes. Right? So, you know, the Gen Z hears from the boss 
that, hey, we're going to be installing apps on, on everyone's phone mm-hmm. so that you can log into your work computer from wherever. Mm-hmm. And we go, whoa, wait a minute. Well, if I don't want to do that. If yeah. I want to do that. Yeah, yeah. But if you're a Gen Z, it's like, okay. Makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't we have yeah. that kind of connectivity? Mm-hmm. And so here's something we want to understand about Gen Z. Listen, we've, we've had an episode about technology before yeah. in season one. Yeah. Uh, go back and find that because we're going to – we had a lot of stats there that we're not going to rehash here. Yeah, yeah. But what you want to understand is that we all spend a lot of time on our screens because of mobile devices mm-hmm. these days. It's not just Gen Z, but they spend a lot more time on their screens just because of the way it's integrated into their lives. Mm-hmm. And so in some some studies, uh, talk about Gen Z in total spend about 11 hours Wow. of screen time a day. And that's that's school screen time. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe if they've got a job that requires them to, to be on a computer for some reason. And then, of course, entertainment and things like that. Yeah. That's, a, that's a chunk when you think about it. It's half yeah. a day. It's half a day, mm-hmm. 11 hours. Mm-hmm. But for Gen Z, for our screenagers, if we want to just kind of start breaking it down into like, well, what's the media entertainment factor there? 57% of teens today use screen media four or more hours a day. Wow. So it's well over half of our Gen Z population mm-hmm. is being entertained, entertained right. on their screens through YouTube videos, uh, video games, and other things that they're doing that have, I don't want to say no value, mm-hmm. but it's not productive no. to their schoolwork. It's not productive in any other way. It's just for the purpose of entertainment. They're on it at least four hours a day, typically more. Yeah, so average, that would be 1,424 hours a year Yeah, that these teenagers are spending on a screen. What else in their life are they giving to that much time or that much time to? Well, let's just, let's just kind of like break it down back to the day, Yeah, right? Let's just take four hours. That, mm-hmm. That's the bottom yeah, that's, of this. That's the minimum, yes. That's the minimum. Yeah. Four hours a day. That's a day. How many... Hours, Orn, would you realistically say the average church-going teen spends in Christian community, whether it be worship, Bible study, or whatever, in in a week? In a week, I would say two, three at most. Yeah, maybe. I, I think that would be an honest assessment. In a week. In a week. Yeah. So we're talking about two to three hours in Christian community where the Bible's being taught, where they are giving opportunities to interact with other believers, they are being encouraged within the body of Christ, and that is less yeah. in a week than they spend a day okay. being entertained on their screens. Yeah, in, a, in a year, that's 104 hours a year. A year. They spend 1,424 hours a year in front of a screen. Yeah. That's an enormous discrepancy. It is. And yeah. so what we need to take away from that is not boo Gen Z right. for not spending all those hours with their nose in a Bible because we don't spend that many hours no. most likely no. on the average Christian with our nose in a Bible. What it does tell us is that screens are important. Yeah. These are very much a dominant force in the lives of Gen Z, and we can't ignore it. No. So we can throw shade at screens all day long. Mm-hmm. Well, what's going to the Gen Z going to do? Go, okay. You guys are right. We're going to we'll <laughs> stop all screen time. Sure, that's not that's not what's going to happen. No, they're they're not going to to back off of it. Even though, like we talked about before that we started the episode, 
you know, it's like around 50% of Gen Z's right now actually feel kind of bad yeah. about the yeah. amount of time they spend on the screen, mm-hmm. but it has such a hold of them. Yeah. It is really difficult for them to, to draw that down to a manageable level. Yeah. It's, 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 it's been called an addiction in some ways, but in, in more, in more cases, it's really a lifestyle because we have brought them into this world, especially with COVID last year. It, yeah. it, it pushed everybody into the pool so you have to depend on technology yeah. just to survive in many cases. Well, these young people, these you know, 10 to 25-year-olds roughly, have been living in this world their entire lives. And so it's not as big a jump for them as it is for us. And so their lifestyle is centered around technology. For us to say that shouldn't matter to you, you got to go back to do things the way we used to when we were your age, they think, well, why should I have to do that? This is how the world operates now. Right. This is what everybody's doing on these screens. Why should I have to change what I do? And for us to assume that they can just turn it off and go back to doing something they've never done, I think is foolish on our part. It's going to require some hard work to communicate the importance of both screens and interpersonal relationships face to face. And so that's what we're kind of talking about. Some of the unique aspects of Gen Z that helps them believe that they are actually in relationships with other people and they never actually spend time with them in person. Yeah. Right? So their technology enables them to do that. Whereas before, if you want to talk to a person, it was a phone call. And even before phones, you had to see them person to person. That was the only way, not any longer. Absolutely. So we got a comment from one of our listeners here on Facebook. It says, my college students average six to eight hours a day on social media for TikTok. And so if, if, you're, wow. if you're not familiar with TikTok, if you're listening and you're... <laughs> a boomer or you're maybe just an older gen Z a gen Xer that has not really gotten into some of the newer social media. TikTok is a social media app that is short videos short. So they can only be a maximum of one minute. Yep. 15 seconds to so, 60 seconds. Yep. Yep. Okay. So no more than that. Mm-hmm. And so most TikTok is just entertainment. Mm-hmm. And so kids get on there they make these videos. They have to cram something in that's entertaining mm-hmm. within a minute, yep. right? So you say what you got to say, do what you got to do, and it really learn. They it trains them to compress their thinking yeah. into this little tiny little block. Mm-hmm. And so I'll be honest, I'm impressed with how much they can get out in sixty seconds. It's incredible, yeah. Um, and so they do little skits, they do dances, they do different things that they feel are. Uh, funny yep. and sometimes they'll get on there and they'll do things that they want to, you know, promote a cause, talk on an issue. There's a lot of that as yep. well, yep. but most of it is entertainment mm-hmm. driven. Yeah. I've seen, you know, doctors, um, health professionals, business persons will leverage that space for good information. Uh, Christians will use it for good information, yep. but 93% of it is just, people goofing off to make other people laugh. And some of it's really funny stuff. I mean, you're going to find some funny things. You're going to find some really raunchy, trashy things and some evil sure. things. And so you get kind of, it's it's a microcosm of the larger internet as, as a whole. But young adults, 18 to 22-year-olds, let's just say college students, are spending up to eight hours a day scrolling through 20 to 30, 40-second yeah. 30, videos. Well, either over scrolling and over, through, but also making content. And making them themselves. Because, exactly. you know, make content. For social media, when you have to get it down to 60 seconds, mm-hmm. well, unless you're just a genius in front of the camera, you're probably doing multiple takes. Yep. 
You may even have to be doing a little bit of editing on the mm -hmm. back side of it. Mm -hmm. And TikTok's got all these editing tools that allow you to do some of that, but it takes time. Mm -hmm. And so you've got people that they're posting multiple times a day yeah. on TikTok. Where do they get the time to do that? Mm -hmm. Well, in some cases, they want that to kind of be the main thing that they it's are involved job, in. Their job, yeah. They, well, it, either the, it is their job or they would like for it to, to be, be their, their job. job. Sure, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Not everybody doing it at that level is actually making money off TikTok. Mm -hmm. But people are. And then other people, they just want to be on there. Mm -hmm. And so they will sacrifice other things to make sure that they're putting out that content. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of brings us on uh, just to some stats here. What are What's Gen Z using social media for? Yeah. Well, the majority of Gen Z, 91%, uses it to talk and chat with their friends. Yeah, relationships. Relationships. Mm -hmm. There is a misconception about technology and relationships that's out there primarily with older generations like ourselves mm -hmm. where there's this thought that relationships can't happen digitally. Right. That's not a real relationship. I've heard that so many times. Those aren't real relationships. Mm -hmm. Real relationships only happen face-to-face -face in person. Mm. Well, they probably happen best better. in person. It's better, sure, yeah. But for Gen Z, they consider that real relationships. Mm -hmm. So that is there for me to come along and say, that's not a real relationship. They think, you don't know what you're talking about. Right. Of course it's a real relationship. Mm -hmm. Have you ever met the person? Well, no, but we talk all the time. Yeah. And we know things about each other. We share things that we wouldn't share with anybody else. Mm -hmm. uh, we encourage each other. We help each other out. Mm -hmm. those, those are all things that happen in real relationships. Yeah. It's just that digital makes that happen in a different format and removes the barriers of having to be in proximity yeah. to someone. Absolutely. I would, I, would, I would say God made us to be in the presence of other people. I think that's the best way yeah. for us to have meaningful relationships. Yep. But what we're seeing now is when you grow up in a digital world, you have true relationships with people that you don't meet with very often. In fact, the reality is, if you want to go out to watch a movie with your friend in person, you could probably do that once a week, at best, if you can afford right. to go out to the movie. Yeah, once sure. A week. With di with digital technology, you can literally watch a movie every night with your friends. With your friend. Every yeah. night of the week with your friends. You can chat. You can talk to one another while you're watching the same movie. Yeah. Now, it's more gained if you sit in person and have dinner and a movie and talk and chat about life. I would say, yeah, probably in the long run. Long it'd be run. Better. Yeah. But in those immediate contexts, these people are connecting with one another yeah. through this digital media. And it's real. It's very real. Yeah, we need to acknowledge the fact that they're having real relationships. Mm -hmm. They just look different than, than ours, how yeah. we have developed relationships. Yeah. And so there are, like you said, there are pros and cons to that being strictly digital. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, God did make us to be in proximity, mm -hmm. in relationship with one another. And so... These digital relationships can only take people so far. Yeah. And we do see some of the, the fallout from that mm -hmm. uh, as we get into it. But again, you know, these are real relationships mm -hmm. that these young people are having. And so we just need to acknowledge, okay, I, I can't tell you they're not. And yeah. I can't I can't demean the quality of that relationship just because I prefer mm -hmm to sit down at a table with a cup of coffee face-to-face -face with someone mm -hmm. and have a conversation. Yeah. And you can do a lot of things 
with digital media that right. are, are they sometimes harder to do in person, yeah, right? True. So we talked about chatting with friends and relatives. You can share videos and stories with people. Yeah, and that's a huge thing. Yeah. Remember when you wanted to, to show video, to show photos of yeah. a vocation or something like that? You would have to go pictures and have the, the photos developed. Mm-hmm. And we were just amazed when you could do it for one hour. Yeah, one hour photo was Ooh, like huge. Like, man, wow. so fast. Yeah. Look at the technology. Yeah, you had to put those in an album. Mm-hmm. And you had to go sit with someone. And you had to flip through it and explain all this stuff to yeah. someone. Yeah. Now, it's it's almost instantaneous. It's instant, yeah. You take the photo. You share it. It goes to all the friends you want who want to see it. Mm-hmm. And they're seeing what you're experiencing seconds after. Yeah. You yeah. experienced it, mm-hmm. or you're doing a live video, live video and they're yeah. experiencing it, and in the moment, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Like you watching Footnotable right now on Facebook mm-hmm. are experiencing so this, yeah, exactly, live. So when the family back in the day loaded up the station wagon and drove to the Grand Canyon, came home, and got all their you photos had developed, wait. you had to wait weeks, maybe, yeah. And and mom and dad and the kids got together, they put all the photos in the album, they yeah. organized everything, then they invited everybody That's over. Right. It was an event, and they had the slideshows and the pictures, and it was yeah. an event. Like it took weeks. You can literally be filming live a panoramic shot of the of the, of the Grand Canyon as all of your friends and family are at home watching it with you, and they're live. not just watching with you; they're interacting with they're, you. Exactly, they're talking to they're you, talking yeah. to you, they're liking, yeah. they're. They're, they're giving a thumbs up. I mean, all the thing. So technology, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And, look, and so, so many of Gen Z, they're using that so that they can invite others into their world. And let's be honest. Had we had that technology when when, when we were that age, we would have ex- Absolutely. accessed it too. We would have loved to have watched someone live streaming the Grand Canyon, right? Right. Or climbing a mountain or, you know, surfing in the, or whatever, whatever it is. We'd have loved to have been watching that. We're just a little jealous that we didn't have it when, <laughs> whenever we were their age. <laughs> it was kind of funny to think, we're not, and I'm, I don't want to chase a rabbit here, but. Like, what would those things be that we would like to have like zeroed in on? Yeah. Like, back when we were teens and in college, if we had had that technology. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like, yeah. would it be, I'm sure it would be similar, mm-hmm. but are the things that would be unique to our generation that we would gravitate towards sure. using that technology in certain ways mm-hmm. to interact with our friends that would be different yeah. than this current generation? Yeah. Something to yeah. think about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, believe it or not, a lot of Gen Z actually goes to their technology for news stories. Yeah, they get their information about the world from social media primarily. Yeah. They don't watch news. Right. They don't watch CBS, NBC, ABC. Yeah, they got no clue who the guys like Dan Rather, Peter no. Jennings, who those those dudes were. They don't they don't watch Fox or CNN or MSNBC no. either. They get their news from Facebook, yep. from Twitter, from Instagram, from other social media news channels. That's yep. where they get their information. And so that's what they're sharing with each other. Yeah. Yeah. And it's again, it's instant. It's instant. They don't yes. have to wait for the six o'clock news mm-hmm. to find out what's going on. It's yeah. just being constantly fed into their screens and their devices all day long. To, to the point that news channels now, all the major news channels have live streaming channels on YouTube. Yes. Because if you want to see what NBC's filming about this event, go to YouTube. It's live. Oh, listen, I, I haven't watched a major news story on TV mm-hmm. in probably two years. Yeah. I've watched all of them on YouTube. Yeah, everything we watched on COVID last year was on YouTube yeah. or some social media site because yeah. that's where the instant news yeah. is. These young people have only ever known this type of world. Yeah. Right, they never, they don't remember a time we had to wait for the news at six and ten. It happens twenty four hours, seven days a week, all the time. Yeah, the old old saying, you know, film at eleven. Yeah. Ha. Yeah, film now. Yes, right now, right now, exactly, yeah. exactly. 
Well, Gen Z also uses their technology to connect and meet new people. Mm-hmm. Over 54% do that. Yeah. Now, I got to be honest, I feel a little shy about that because I am not a digital native, right. Right. like we've talked about. And that is reflected. In fact, only 39% of adults, all adults, Gen, uh, Gen X and above, mm-hmm. will actually use social media to connect with new people. Right. Because... It's just weird for me. It is. I'd rather do it in person. Yeah. But for Gen Z, hey, no problem. No problem. They'll meet you. They'll, they'll get to know each other. And it may be weeks, months, or maybe even years yeah. before they actually come face-to-face with that person in a relationship where, where you can see each other. But they've known each other for years before then because they've been contacting one another all the time. This is not strange for them. And yeah. so we're going to have to learn how to operate in this world. Yeah, so let me just give a quote to wrap up this section on screenagers. Mm-hmm. There's another quote from Barna. It says, Gen Z, along with millennials, are more likely than older generations to think social media is a good place to discuss opinions and ideas and to trust information they encounter online. Yep. So screens and what they deliver are vitally important to this generation. Absolutely. And those things begin to shape their worldview. It, it defines them in many ways. Very in, much in so. the ways you've technology has defined every generation in some in some contexts. Yeah, digital media is going to define this this generation going forward. Oh, very much so. Yeah, and so we talk about how things are shaped in a worldview based on screens. One of the aspects of the worldview of Gen Zers that we need to acknowledge, and it's it's a hard one for us to swallow in the church, mm-hmm. is that they have a post Christian worldview. They yes. are very much the first generation in America in a long time. Mm-hmm that you would have to say is ma- the majority of them do not hold to any form of a biblical worldview yep. or any spiritual aspect of a worldview. Yep. And so this explains a lot of what we see in Gen Z mm-hmm. is the detachment from any kind of biblical worldview. Yep. But it's not new. And it's not unexpected if you follow the trends. Right, yeah. As you go back and you start looking at the percentage of different generations and their adherence to a biblical worldview, mm-hmm. we see that with each passing generation, that percentage diminishes. Yeah. And so before we kind of get a little bit too pious and think, well, our generation really loved and respected the Bible and saw things the right way, mm-hmm. We, we we were less than the one before that, and they were less than the one, than before, the one before that. Yes, and so Gen Z is just following suit. Yep. yep. And so if you go back to Boomers, uh, with, which would be our parents, ten percent of the population. And again, Barna has real strict definitions for these yeah, things. Okay, yeah. they don't just let you just believe anything sort of Christian. Right. And call right. it a biblical worldview. Right. Ten percent of Boomers had a biblical worldview. Today, Gen Z, 4%. Wow. And so it's been going down with each generation, mm-hmm. and it's had the biggest the biggest jump is between, honestly, boomers and our generation. Yeah, yeah. And then a slight dip with millennials, and then another sizable jump with the Gen Z. Gen Z. Mm-hmm. And so this is important for us to know because they don't see the world through the eyes of, of scripture. No. So to say biblical worldview, we're talking about understanding what, what's what the Bible, what scriptures teach. And then we operate our lives built upon what the Bible teaches. It's a, our, we, we view the world through the lens of scripture, right. so to speak to say that it's post-Christian 
what it, what that means is that the Bible is not the priority for the for, for the lens or, or not the primary lens by which they look at the world. Mm-hmm. They might take some of the teachings of the Bible and sort of attach it to their lives. They might be spiritual in some ways. They might even include spiritual aspects of Christianity into their worldview. But what's happening now in a post-Christian world is a worldview is being established by all these different pieces and parts that we put together to form it. Right. So for a biblical worldview, you establish the Bible first and then everything follows that. Now, teachings in Christianity or other religions are kind of taken like a buffet and made into this new worldview that's established from different pieces and parts. And so when we talk about a, a post-Christian worldview, we're talking about people, young people who are not basing their decisions on what the Bible teaches first and foremost. They're basing their decisions on information they've gained from a lot of different places. And so it's it's really starkly different from our generation, but even more so from the generations ahead of us, the boomers and then the builders even. There's a huge gap in the way that they understand the world. Very much so. Yeah. And so worldview is, is so important. It is. It's really at the core of understanding any, any culture, any generation. And so we just need to acknowledge and accept that when we're talking about Gen Zers, they are very much a post-Christian mm-hmm. worldview. Yep. That is how they see the world. In fact, the percentage of Gen Z that identifies as atheist is double that of yes, U.S. Course. adults. Wow. Because they have moved so quickly away from wanting to be labeled yep. something religious. Mm-hmm. In fact, 34% claim no religious affiliation whatsoever. Yeah. And the highest it's ever been. And so we've already established where are they getting their information? Where are they gaining this this insight into life? The primary means is through digital media and technology. Yeah. Well, what's out there? There's a lot out there. Yeah. There's countless numbers of things to read and study and things that learn. you and I would never have had access no. to unless we met someone yeah. that espoused those beliefs. Exactly. Exactly. You need to pick up a book, yep. find a person, go to a conference, watch a video. Like those, there was, there was limited access. There's yeah. no longer limited access. The internet has opened the world to all the possibilities of worldview out there. So young people are getting into that swimming pool, which is a giant pool, and they're Very swimming all in so. there, finding whatever that they can. And so we should not be surprised that this has happened. As you said before, if you look at the trends over the last 40, 50, 60 years, we've been headed this way for a while, but we can't be shocked that they're pulling all of these different sources of information because they're, they're, they're spending their time online, and yeah. that, that's where it all is. And in some ways, they're spending more time watching and listening to these, these, uh, these teachers and sources of information than they are their own parents. And if they're not in church, they're definitely not getting any biblical instruction, so you can understand why it's right. labeled post-Christian, yeah, because there's no Christian influence in there. In yeah, their, you in go back lives. to the the difference in screen time, yeah, the hours that we talked about uh, just a few minutes ago. We're all being discipled by something, and we talked about that in our series on discipleship. And Gen Z is largely discipled by their screens, and and it comes through. Yeah. Um, let me just read this this last quote here from James White. Uh, comes out of his uh, his book on Gen Z. It says as the cultural cost of being a Christian increases. People who were once Christian only in name likely have started to identify as nuns, N-O-N-E-S, disintegrating the ideological bridge between unbelievers and believers. And we definitely are seeing that being played out in our culture as people that just sort of wanted to wear the name Christian without any real commitment to orthodox belief 
as that is becoming wildly unpopular yeah. and even being labeled uh, a hate crime mm-hmm. in, in some circles. Uh, and people are just, they're bouncing out of their cultural Christianity yep. quickly. Yep, yep. And so it's creating a larger divide yep. between those that are truly committed and then those who would consider themselves spiritual, even yeah. adhering to some Christian teachings. Right. They don't have a problem with, with really what, what Jesus said. They don't have a problem with the way, the way Jesus lived. But don't hold me to an accountability to Jesus. He's not my authority. Right. right? And so that's why you have this broadening chasm between those who are committed to orthodox teachings in Christianity and to those that are con- con- considering themselves atheistic, agnostic, or at least ir- irreligious in, in, in most cases. Right. And— this erosion of the biblical worldview does have implications on huge, Gen Z. Huge implications. And so this is not just something that we can look at as simply matter of fact, mm-hmm. because all actions have consequences. Yep. Having a post-Christian worldview has consequences. Huge, yeah. and, and again, we could go into deep dives on why we got to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, we have no time for, no. for that. We don't have weeks, just understand weeks yeah. this did not happen overnight. Mm-hmm. This has not just been a few years coming. No. It's actually been a few centuries, centuries. coming. Carl, we, Carl, Carl Truman addresses this in his book. Yeah, yeah he yeah. does in a, in, a, in a wonderfully dry way, but yeah. so informative. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's just, uh, let's take a look at Gen Z and their views on sexuality and gender, because yeah. uh, these get talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, some Gen Z's would say they get talked about too much, mm-hmm. but there's a reason why they get talked about the way they do. Yeah. And uh, they do have some different views on this, a lot of that coming out of that post-Christian mm-hmm. worldview. Yep. Yep. And so we've kind of structured this list as far as what's out and what's in. What's out and what's in. Yep. So first off, sex outside of marriage is increasingly accepted. However, Gen Z is becoming sexually active at a, at a later age. Yes. That's one thing we want to understand from the get-go, yep. because we're going to be sharing some things here in just a second that are going to make you think that Gen Z must be sexually active younger. Mm-hmm. They're not actually not. Necessarily, not necessarily. Right, right. And there's some reasons for that. Mm-hmm. And so some of the things we're going to be talking about are going to explain why we're seeing a delay in sexual activity in Gen Z. So the first thing that's out is monogamy. Yep. Monogamy is out. Emotionless physical relationships are in. Yeah, the idea of a committed relationship, a committed sexual relationship between one man and one woman in marriage is almost taboo in a way, in in some circles of conversation. Um, It's something that, that previous generations have done. Gen Z does not view sexual connection in the same ways that their parents and grandparents viewed it. It's just, it's, and it's a, it's an unbiblical approach, no doubt, but it's the approach that they have embraced. Yeah. And so we have to understand how this works and how we address it. Yeah. So it's not just in marriage, no, but it's in their dating lives as well. And it's how they view relationships. And speaking of marriage, marriage Marriage is is out. out. Yeah, sure. Casual dating and cohabitation are in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's let's just live together. Let's just go as far as we can in this relationship. If we live together forever and we stay committed to one another, that's fine. Um, if not, we'll we'll live together for a while. Then we'll move on from that. Yeah, and that that's just the extent of their perspective on relationships. Right. And so one of the things that comes from that, even though it's not a view on sexuality and gender, is something that we need to understand: is kids are out. Yep. 
and living my life on my terms is in. Yes. Yes. So children um, in the minds of Gen Zers in some cases, um, either we either get in the way of them living the life that they want and in other arguments you may hear where they don't want to bring a child to the world because of all the evil and the bad and the trouble and all those types of things. But increasingly what we're seeing among Gen Z, and you mentioned this to me yesterday in an article you read, that they're, they are unashamedly uh, selfish. They're saying, I'm too selfish to have children. I don't want to have children because it gets in the way of me living the life that yeah, I want to live. Children are a financial burden. Yes. I have uh, goals for early retirement. Mm-hmm. There are things I want to do, places I want to travel to. Mm-hmm. I've, I've done the numbers. And I can't do those things if I'm financially obligated to raise a child. Yeah. And so kids are out. Kids are out. Yeah. Um, and not completely out, but. For, for a majority of them. For, for, for a lot for of many, them. For yeah. many of them, they are deciding to, to now, at this point, to not have children. They're young enough where that might change. We're right. certainly, we're in the front end of Gen Z. Yes. They're, the oldest of them is around their mid-20s, 25. And so that, that could certainly change in the future. But right now, when you ask them, kids are not on the radar for them at all, yeah. ever. Are, are some of the Gen Z's having kids? Yes. Yes. We're not saying that they will not have any kids. Right. But we see more and more of them opting uh, to to go the route of, of not planning for kids. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. All right. Another one, uh, going back to, uh, into the uh, the sexuality and gender topic, intimacy is out. Mm-hmm. Pornography is in. Yes. So if you connect the monogamy is out and the emotionless sort of physical relationships living together sexually active but not committed in a marriage relationship it's not hard to see why intimacy is not high on their radar they're not looking for a a single person to connect with physically emotionally spiritually in some ways like in a marriage a a a monogamous marriage what they're looking for is is um an experience and those experiences are varied and they're vast and there's a bunch of them and everybody yeah. should be open to expressing themselves in sexual ways with whoever that they want to. And so pornography sort of enhances or opens the door to these experiences. And so some couples, young, young couples will watch pornography together. They will make pornographic uh, videos and, and put them out for the world to see on these on these porn sites. And for them, it's not a problem. They're just expressing who they are right. in that in that moment. And no one should care about that. It's just my, yeah. it's me doing what I do. It's almost the equivalent. The mentality is, is if, if I, if I've made a video of me roasting coffee beans yeah. in my, in my kitchen, like that's like on the same level yeah. as them making a porn video yep. and putting it out. Yeah. If I, and we have a hard time wrapping our minds around that, exactly. Yep. but it's, it's just, this is something I do. And I can put it out there, and I shouldn't have to feel shame about it. Exactly. And it's it's no different than another person engaging in a hobby and putting it out there online yeah, for folks to watch. This same young person may be on TikTok earlier today showing people how to make a cool fruit smoothie, <laughs> it's, right? It's true. And the porn video they shoot in their bedroom later that night, in their minds, are the same. The same. The same. They're yeah. essentially accomplishing the same goal. And that is ter- it's terrifying, really, to, th- yeah. to think about how how much this idea of sexual unity and intimacy has degraded in our culture. Yeah. And this is not just in America. This is happening no, in a lot of is, places around the world. This is worldwide. It's worldwide. Because technology is worldwide. Exactly. And the screens All are connected. there. Mm-hmm. And so people have quickly adopted these habits, even if they have not gone through all of the 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 steps mm-hmm. like we did yeah. to have to get to this point in technology. Exactly. Yep. All right. So let's see. Where are we on Standards our Standards of morality. Standards of morality is out. Yep. 
Everything is in. Yeah. Everything's on the table as a possible moral good. Yes. Right? Um, and you have no right, and I yeah. have no right, to tell someone else what is a moral standard for everyone. Correct. Right? So Gen Zers typically do not like labeling anything wrong. Mm-hmm. And so everything is, per- everything is permissible. Yep. So if you're happy with what you're doing, so long as it's not hurting anyone, mm-hmm. and the definition of hurting anyone is also a bit fluid. Is yeah. also very fluid. <laughs> yes. Then it has to be okay. Right. And not only does it has to be okay, well, it needs to be, it needs to be tolerated and it needs to be validated yep. by yes. others. Yeah, exactly. And so not, it, it's not enough for one person to be okay with someone else's actions. Yeah. Everyone has to be okay with it. Yes. So I don't need just a couple of people to say that they're okay with uh, my sexual choices. A Gen Zer would approach this thing. I need everyone to celebrate my sexual choices. Right. I need you to celebrate the fruit smoothie and the and the and the and the pornographic video. Right. right. Like their approach to this is, I deserve to be celebrated. And so my my since there are no moral absolutes and standards that we all must abide by, then I need you to affirm me in all these decisions that I've I've made. And there's some deep psychological stuff that we can get into yeah, later right. of why we are where we are at this. But you can understand, those of you listening to it, particularly those of you of, of older generations, how a a, a, a fluid um, a morality, a changing morality that's based on condition and motion and feeling yeah. can be so dangerous in a society when we cease to operate on any kind of real agreed upon standards for morality, things can get really bad really quickly. And this is where Gen Z is and reaching that generation with what we would say a biblical worldview and moral absolutes is, is going to be a difficult task. Yeah. And this is why we see such a sharp rise in the LGBTQ yep. plus movement. Exactly. And again, uh, we can talk about that specifically uh, on another time, mm-hmm. but this is why it has become almost, in some cases, a necessity for Gen Z to identify within that yeah that uh, that that, uh, that spectrum that framework of, yeah. of, of sexuality mm-hmm. if you're straight it's like what's wrong with you right like right. you need to at least come out as sexually ambiguous yeah even if you don't know what you are right. at least come out and state that you don't know what you are so we can celebrate mm-hmm. your ignorance yeah exactly you know exactly and so exactly. Um, we we look at that and go I just wow, what in the world is going on? But as Warren said, there are some deep reasons yeah. as to why we are here today with this, and we are really oversimplifying it and just stating how there are no standards for morality. Yeah. Yeah. Again, didn't happen overnight, no. uh, and neither did the next thing on our list. Biology is out. Yeah. How I feel is in. Yeah, science is not my authority any longer, no. according to Gen C. It's my feelings. Yes. And... Again, no one can tell me how I should feel. No one should dictate how I should feel. But how I feel is my absolute bearing in life. My worldview is based upon what makes me feel good or how I want to feel. Therefore, that's how I'm going to live my life. And so when it comes to even scientific study in biology, that's out the window. That is not a moral absolute. That is not an absolute truth of any sort. I operate by how I feel. Right. And so it's not all science. It's uh, sex, yeah, mainly, right, right, it's mainly right. the science that relates to right. me. Yes, yes. And so, you know, what's what's happening out there with the environment? Well, I'll, I'll lean into I'll that, that science. Yeah, sure, science. Sure. 
But what science says about my chromosomes right. and my physical makeup, well, that doesn't count. Mm-hmm. I, need to, I need to be what I feel. Yes. And so this is where we get into the, a lot of the, the gender debate that is following on the heels of the LGBTQ plus movement. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is one that I know gets a lot of people uh, flustered and causes a lot of confusion because we want to say but science is science. Biology yeah. is biology. Mm-hmm. You either are a male or you are a female. Not anymore. You don't get to determine that. Yeah. And that is not how Gen Z feels about In general, right. that's not how they feel about issues such as this. Mm-hmm. All right, let's 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 move on to our, our last category yeah. as, as, as we bring this conversation to a close. And that's this is going to be something that uh, you've probably seen uh, over the past few years, and that is this idea of safe spaces mm-hmm. being the norm. Yeah, place where you can feel safe from any disagreement, any ridicule, anything that might make you feel bad, right? right. Um, because Gen Z does not want to feel bad, do they, Dave? No, they don't want to feel bad, or and they don't want else. to make anyone else feel bad for yeah. that matter. Yeah. And so everyone needs to feel as positive mm-hmm. and affirmed yeah. as they can. And so we, we hear words like safe spaces and trigger warnings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, last episode, uh, we, we threw out as part of our quiz mm-hmm. something related to safe space and trigger warnings. And of course, our response was, what is that? What is that? Yeah. Well, these are very real realities for this generation. You know, a safe space being a place where you can't have any negativity. Mm-hmm. You can't have any opposing views. Trigger warnings being... Uh, either an, an, a written or some sort of declaration that something is about to be said yeah. that is potentially offensive and traumatizing. It's a disclaimer, yeah. It's a disclaimer. Sure. Sure. And this this really is almost, in some cases, and we'll have to see how far this goes, particularly in academia, this is the first consideration mm. for education. Yep. Yeah. Especially in universities. University is built on the idea, yeah. and this is, this is up until now, the idea of rigor in your study and being challenged at what you believe. Right. And that if what you believe is questioned or you have to work hard to understand why you believe something, that's good. It's a good process for it's you to good. go through. Like Not Jimmy anymore. used to tell us, wrestle, struggle, and grapple, yes, right? Yes, Dr. Jimmy, yes. And so, yeah, wrestle, struggle, grapple with your reality and see what you really believe. Not anymore. No. Now in university campuses all over the world, but especially in our own country, a student should not be made to wrestle and grapple with their realities. They should be made to be affirmed in their realities. Yes. Even if their reality is a completely ridiculous notion, right? They should be affirmed, confirmed, supported, loved, tolerated, right. even if their ideas are a bit are a bit out of line. Unless, of course, those ideas, and we could get into this later, are too absolute. Anyone with, with absolute moral standards are pushed aside. Yeah. The people that have more fluid understandings of morality right. are welcomed and embraced in a safe space. Yeah, there's a, there's a double standard in the yes. idea of uh, what ideas need to be affirmed. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. But this is something that really causes a struggle for Gen Z because when you create an environment, particularly in academia, mm-hmm. and it, it spills over into social media where safe spaces must exist and what I say could trigger someone yeah. to be offended. Mm-hmm. Well, all of a sudden, 
I don't have any convictions. Right. Because if I have convictions, well, then I'm offending someone with those convictions. And if, if one of my convictions is not to hurt someone or to right. make them feel bad, and I have a conviction that, that may make them feel bad, I have to hold that conviction back or, or, abandon, or it. abandon it and replace it with something else that yeah. then makes this person acceptable, yeah. even though before I didn't, I didn't agree with them. Right. And you see, the, so the conflict is a moral conflict right. in their own hearts and minds. And, it, and what we're seeing there is making them anxious. Yeah. The, the most anxious generation we've yeah. ever known at a young age. Right, because part of the anxiety, not all of it, there's a lot of other reasons for the anxiety, but part of it is they're just terrified yeah. to have to express a, an opinion or give an answer for something mm -hmm. because they're well aware of how people respond yes. within the generation yes. to anyone making a statement of absolute truth or just even expressing a conviction that they have, mm -hmm. even if that conviction is an opinion. There is such a danger for backlash yeah. in that generation that do I say something? Do I continue to believe this? Should I just keep my mouth shut? It does. It creates a lot of anxiety because it is our natural tendency to want to speak and, and to champion those things that we hold dear. Absolutely. Our beliefs, our values, you know, even if we just take it from a strictly secular standpoint, I mean, we love to laud our teams mm -hmm. in sports. Mm -hmm. Those are convictions. Yeah. Right? They don't have anything to do with anything in life. Right. But just the fact that we enjoy these teams and the sports that they play, and we want to to cheer for them. We want to, to talk well uh, and, and, and even braggadociously yeah. about players and coaches. And that's kind of a norm. Mm -hmm. But when you start to take different ideas – that have more weight to them. Yeah. Real, real, real life stuff. Yeah. The convictions that people hold, mm -hmm. well, they have to sit there and stop and think, can I even, can I even say this? Mm -hmm. Can I, can I put this on social media? Mm -hmm. Will it be accepted that I have these convictions on yeah. these issues? Yeah. And what you're finding is there's no safe conviction. No, there's no safe belief. No, because Every, everything is, challenge yeah and there's no safe place for you to sh actually share a different opinion because yeah. there was a time in which if you shared an unpopular belief or something that others someone didn't agree they would say i disagree with you and here's why now what you get is hate you get um this intolerant uh, poisonous words and some venomous stuff yeah. from people they don't just say i disagree with you and here's why you are now this person. You get put into a box. You get labeled, right. especially on social media. Yeah. There's a real serious backlash. Right. And so you can understand why young people are hesitant, even if they have deep convictions, are hesitant to even say anything about it because they're going to get blasted by their so-called people in relationships on their social media feeds and these things like that. So you understand why they are feeling a little bit insecure. Even those that have a biblical worldview, they're going to have a little trouble expressing that in the world. And so the challenges for us as Christians and as a church is to help those young people that we do have to prepare them for this new world and to, to, to prepare them for a digital world because that's the world that they're living in and that's the world we're going to be in for quite some time. Good one. Yeah, I think we've whet everyone's appetite, yeah. and some of you are going, no, don't end this episode. <laughs> we would like to hear some more. And listen, we un we understand that. This is a deep subject. It's an important subject. And like us 
said at the top of the episode, please don't listen to this and think that it's all gloom no, and doom. No. These are some realities. We have to be honest about the realities, but we also need to see that there's a lot about Gen Z to be celebrated. This is not a hopeless generation. No, not at all. Not at all. Not no. by any stretch. There's of the lots of opportunity. God's going to open some doors for us, and uh, you you'll be surprised at what Gen Z is capable of if we if we train them up and teach them how to follow Jesus for sure. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. So uh, this is where our social media comes in. If you want to continue this conversation on our Facebook page, if you didn't hear that at the top of the episode, uh, you can find us at Facebook.com/slash Footnotable Podcast. Uh, you can also join. And we definitely encourage people to join our group, po- Postscript, Postscript yep. where we kind of get into some other details uh, in that. Uh, and so those are the probably the two best places to mm-hmm. carry on the conversation. But you can also do it on Instagram. Just look us up at Footnotable. You'll find our, our account. You can follow us there and join in with that. And remember, we do post these videos from the live stream immediately following the episode. Yeah, check I us say out. immediately. Immediately is uh, is a loose term. Yeah. Soon. Soon after. Soon thereafter. It all depends on what we have Soon to get thereafter. into. It depends on technology and how well it, we can it, op- operate it. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Because as, as you've heard us say, our experience with technology is typically an unmitigated disaster. <laughs> unmitigated disaster. So until the next time. Thank y'all. Thank we'll you. see you next see week. You. <laughs>